What I just prayed about, as Casey gets ready to read the Scripture this morning, what I just prayed about was not what the church in Corinth was doing. The church in Corinth was a mess. And Paul saw his role early on is trying to bring people together and recognize what it was that we were to do as followers of Christ. And this section of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with the 12th verse, helps us understand clearly what it is we're called to be. Casey? Today's reading is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less, it, it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with great honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thank you. Holy wisdom, holy word. <laughs> so there's um, 14 minutes and 7 seconds left in the third quarter. It is September, and so we begin a year-long examination of Jesus. And given that this is the first Sunday of the program year, as you can already tell, it's Ministry Fair Sunday. The challenge this morning... I'll do it fast enough so you can't see what the score is. Is it it's the Seahawks' first game of the season? And if that wasn't hard enough, it's against St. Louis, who really kind of beat them up last year. 
And I am aware that there are those in this uh, congregation. Bev, I would ask you to stand, if you will. What's amazing and the miracle about Bev this morning is that she's wearing a 12 jersey. And she's really an Indianapolis fan. But, but I mean, look at this. I understand. I understand. But you do have Andrew Luck. So, um, so that's good. But it is Seahawks Sunday, and, and the Seahawks are going to kind of weave their way through the service a little bit this morning. If you want to know the score, just come on up and I'll whisper it to you. But, um, okay, and Bev's got it too, so you can go back there. Yeah, I wonder if, so I, that made sense when she went like this. But um, I was thinking she was watching the Indianapolis game. But I thought about calling Roger Goodell, who, you know, is the commissioner of football, and saying, you know, what is up with this whole Sunday morning game thing? But given his history over the last, and if you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, given his history over the last couple of years, I thought, no. And yet, here we are on a Sunday morning. All of those that are here right now are missing the game, or you have DVR'd it, or you have done whatever you need to do to take care of it. That's why I'm not going to tell you the score, uh, but I really do have it right here. Um, We begin this study of Jesus, and Jesus was no doubt one of the most written about, one of the most unconventional, one of the most controversial, one of the most misunderstood, one of the most understood, one of the most written about figures in all of history. And if you went and looked at my table over there, you see the plethora of stuff that continues to be written about this man. And it is remarkable. And There are some really good books over there, and there's one in particular that is the worst written book on Jesus that I have ever seen. And I'm going to bring them all to the study, and you'll hear about some of that um, beginning next week as I'm going to give you five locations in this sanctuary of stands that people have taken about this man. And it's, it's, it's all remarkable, and yet all of this happened 2,000 years ago. I mean, it is incredible. Well, it continues because this figure, this figure changes lives. Even lives of the Twelves, even those who love the Seahawks, you're here. And I'm going to talk about being a Twelve at the end of the sermon. But we begin to look at what it means to be the body of Christ. And, you know, we we use that phrase a lot, um, but hardly ever do we think, necessarily about what that means. But if you look back at the history of Jesus, and some of which can be found in the Gospels, you see that this man was fully human. So fully human that he felt, and there are times where he felt just about anything and everything that we could possibly feel. You know, there, there are those with whom I am in relationship, some of them clergy. One who was here at first service this morning and we just vehemently disagree with each other about Jesus. And, and I think about this man because he doesn't want to say that there was anything human about him. But if that's the case, then we, we're just completely missing the boat. Because here's a man who got angry and acted out in that anger. Here's a man who was so emotional, emotional that in the loss of one of his dearest friends, he broke down and wept. 
Here is a man that challenged the authorities to their, care, to their core. Here is a man that healed children and lifted them and placed them on his lap because he loved them so much. Here is a man that felt so much emotion and, and did everything that he could do. And I shared with you last week that one of my, one of my own realizations, particularly as they unearthed this incredible worship center at Magdala, was it just continued to make Jesus more real for me, of looking at the archaeological history of what they found. Unearthed one of the oldest Jewish worship centers in history and have been able to date it to that time of Jesus. To think that this place, on that very soil, in that very location, He stood. His feet or sandals touched those tiles. He prayed there over that altar stone. He confronted and dealt with this young woman named Mary. And as I talked about last week, whatever those seven demons were that seemed to possess her, very similar to the demons, however you want to view that, that possess us, anything that pulls us away from our understanding of God's love and the grace of Christ to be seen as those kinds of demonic forces or those forces that pull us away. And so what does that mean then? If we are to be the body of Christ, we have to look at what it means or what His life represented and how He acted and what He did in the midst of that. Because as the body of Christ, that means that we have to get angry about the things that would have angered Jesus. We have to get compassionate about those things for which Jesus held incredible compassion. We have to love even those who we may consider outcasts or even enemies. We have to do the kinds of things that Jesus did. And friends, we have to love each other the way that He taught the disciples to love each other, even in the midst of this incredible, diverse group. That is what being the body of Christ means. And, and it's not like that's the first time you've heard it. But we are, you know, we, we've made this shift over the last four years in the church, and, and we're continuing to do that. And I am so excited about Carissa and Jen and Dorothy and others who are stepping in to leadership roles in the church. I'm so excited about the core leadership team, and I'm so excited about the fact that so many of you have dedicated your lives to this church. But here's the, here's the rub on that. We still fall into that dangerous place that most kind of volunteer-led organizations fall into. And as you've heard it, it's the 80-20 rule. And in some cases, it's the 90-10 rule. That... that 10 or 20% of the people do 80 to 90% of the work. Friends, that is not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is that, as you heard, as Casey read, the body of Christ means that all of us engage in this work. Every single one of us. What's so amazing to me, and I mentioned this earlier, is, you know, there are... I, I, there are tons of folks who have signed up for some of the programs and the outreach stuff and, and helping in, in ways that are kind of fun and upbeat. 
And, and over in Friendship Hall, what we've done, kind of like the song, is we've divided into four areas. And in, in one area, you have those opportunities that help us with faith, which are like adult Sunday school and the pastor's class and worship and ushers and greeters and those kinds of things. We, we have over uh, in another area, the, the whole thing about love and if you take out your attendance form and you turn it on the back, one of the most significant groups in this church that does a tremendous job of supporting each other in love is the Young at Heart group. But that's not the only one. You have the Monday night group and you have the Tuesday morning men's group and you have so many other groups where you can turn for love and support. And, and, and yet we're going to get better and do more of that. Family fun nights and the harvest dinner and all those kinds of things that help us. Those of you who are attending first service or second service to get to know each other even more. If you go just through the door and to the left with a green tablecloth is the health table. And there are tremendous opportunities. I shared that on October 3rd, five or six of us are going to be doing this 100K ride just to be kind of together and to ride together and really excited about doing that together. And that means we're training and supporting and encouraging each other. Um, and, and that's one of many things. Another thing that I will mention that, that's coming up in November is we're going to do a, um, basically a Thanksgiving turkey trot run. And it's going to be probably on Thanksgiving Day of a 5K that's going to support no more malaria to eradicate malaria. And I kept thinking as I think about that and look at Karabakh here and think about Ponchai and others um, in Thailand and throughout the world that struggle and suffer with this horrible disease that's so preventable. And so we're going to do our part in that as a part of health. And the health goes beyond that to those places of emotional health. I will tell you, Laura Wall has done some miraculous work, not just about uh, creating a pastoral care team. And you've got to know how powerful this pastoral care team is. The lives that are being transformed because of their care for those who are in the congregation who can't attend anymore. Barbara was one of those. But she's also started a program, thanks to you, to Aldersgate, called Connections Counseling. Connections Counseling is to have professional counselors in as many churches as possible for those, at least to some extent, who can't afford it otherwise. Do you know that Connections Counseling, which has been sponsored by this church, now is in, I think it's now eight churches. Eight churches. And it continues to expand so that others can have mental health. It's incredible. It's incredible what, what, what you do. And, and if that's not enough, if you go in and turn right... Man, you just see the row upon row, table upon table of service opportunities that we have as a church. I mean it when I say it. And I was told almost my first day here that service is at the heart of this church. That what we do is we come together, we gain strength, and we go out and we serve not only this community, but the world. The world. It's remarkable. But here's the deal. All of those things can be really fun and uplifting. There is a fifth group, and they're in the narthex. I think appropriately so. That fifth group is the support teams. The teams that undergird the rest of the work 
and provide those kinds of opportunities that, that allow the other work to continue. And they include things like Staff Paris Relations Committee or the Personnel Committee who are doing phenomenal work of making sure that the staff are well taken care of and supported and that there are goals and other things set. Is it pretty work? Harris, is it really always fun and pretty work? Probably not, as I see him laughing over there. But it's really important work. And because of them, we have Jen and Carissa and Dorothy and the rest of the staff, and they do feel cared for. But it doesn't stop there. I, I want to focus on the trustees for a second. I had a bet, and I know I'm not supposed to by the Book of Discipline, so don't share that with my superintendent who's coming on Tuesday. Don't show up. Um, I'm looking forward to this time with Rich. But the Board of Trustees, the trustees team, I've asked them to divide into eight or nine different subgroups. And I tried this two years ago, and it didn't work then. And the, the bet is I need it to work now. I don't want to lose this bet. But the whole role of the trustees is to deal with everything having to do with this place, property-wise, the real property. And so what, what Gretchen and I have been talking about is, is if you have a love for what could happen with Friendship Hall or the renovation of the kitchen, then man, sign up and let's get involved in that. If, if you have a love for what could be done with this property, then and sign up and let's get involved with that. I will share with you that yesterday, driving away from um, Barbara's memorial service, there was a group playing Frisbee golf right down there. I thought, man, how perfect would it be to set up a nine-hole Frisbee golf course on this property? It would be so easy to do that. All it requires is baskets for the Frisbees. And talk about outreach to the community. So if you want to dream about that, then maybe sign up for that one. And it goes on and on. And if you want to really see the kind of house that Dorothy and I keep, if you want to come in and look at the house, sign up for that piece. We're not letting you in otherwise. Right? So, but there are opportunities in those five areas are what makes us a body of Christ. The faith piece, the love piece, the health piece, the service piece, and the support piece. If any of those are diminished or not working, we will become unhealthy as a body of Christ. So let me close with this thought. Seahawks are playing right now. Okay, just a second. Now, they're not playing here at CenturyLink. They're playing in St. Louis. And the issue with St. Louis is they are, um, there's 11 minutes and 12 seconds left in the third quarter. Um, is they're going to be moving to Los Angeles, and so there are very few people in the stadium. That is the exact opposite of what happens with CenturyLink, is it not? And what are we called, Bev? What's your shirt number? So we're the 12s, right? You see it everywhere. I remember when Adam is in Thailand, in the place that he had lunch, he hung up, and it's still there in, May, <laughs> in Mesat, in, in Canadian Dave's place, is a 12s flag. It's huge. Adam took it there and put it up, and they watched the Super Bowl from there a couple years ago. What makes CenturyLink feel so hard for 
other teams to play in. And, and, and what's the goal of the noise? I will give you a hand signal of what the goal of the 12s at CenturyLink Field is. Are you ready? It's this. Do you know what that is? And usually the, the line judge will run out and do this to the referee who then says this. And if you don't know what it is, that's your assignment. That's the goal. How does this happen? I mean, 65,000 individuals sitting in this stadium, kind of like Husky State, although there were a very small crowd yesterday, but, but, but 65,000 people, individuals in this stadium doing what? They're united in a goal. And it is to yell loud enough to disrupt the other team so that they get that illegal procedure penalty. That's what this is. That's a body of 12s. One body united in that goal. We are a body of Christ united in a goal to bring peace to each other, to the community, and to the world through the love of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. Uh, Faith, love, health, and service. I love that song. Because it says it all. It says it all. So let's unite. Everybody has a role. Sign up. Let's go for it. Amen?